Hey, welcome to the Outside Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. So, usually when I come up here and I, I have a word to give, I usually start off with some sort of story about fishing or a project that's going on at home. But unfortunately, I don't have any stories about fishing because I haven't caught any fish, world's worst fisherman. And I don't want to talk about any home improvement projects because I don't want to give my wife any more ideas. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and get right into the word. Can we say amen to that? Amen. So our topic for today is going to be influencers. Now, it, it just so happens, it wasn't just a coincidence that today was Father's Day and the topic is influencers, people who, 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 who have a, a, a part or a role to play in somebody else's life. Now, what is an influencer? For me, I always have to go back and, and, and find a definition on a word that I'm going to be talking about because I want to know more about this word um, that I'm going to be talking about so we, we are fully informed. So we're going to go with the definition of influencers right now before we actually get into the word. So influencers, what does it mean to be an influencer? An influencer is an individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of his or her authority knowledge, position, or relationship with the audience. An individual who has a following in a particular niche, which actively engages with. Now, before we even get into the Word of God, the, in, just in that definition itself, the words that stuck out to me was power and authority. Their job is to sway your decisions, to steer your thoughts or beliefs about something, but where does that influence, influencer's power and authority come from? When we talk about the audience, where does their power and authority come from? It comes from the audience, the people who are listening to them, the people who are opening their minds, their hearts to what they have to say. So we have to look at this as we are giving them the power and authority over our lives when we allow them to enter in. Amen? So, so it's something we have to be very careful about. So from, from, from that standpoint, we also have to look about not just on the retail sense, what are we going to buy, what clothes are we going to wear, what house are we going to get, but what about the spiritual aspect of an influencer and that of the influenced? Now, the word influencer, we most commonly know it as, as something that's associated with with social media, with the internet, with everything that's going on around in this time period of life. But the word influencer, even though it's not mentioned specifically in the Bible, we can go back throughout the Bible and there was influencers throughout the history of mankind. If we read the stories all the way from Genesis to Revelation, we can see that there was, in, in, in any given moment, there was an influencer in any given period. Now, we're going to see some examples, influencers in the Bible, going all the way back to the first book of Genesis. Adam and Eve, the first influencer, the serpent. The serpent told Eve, he told Adam, you can eat the fruit, you surely won't die, and you'll become like God. And you know what happened? We all know what happened there. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, and it was downhill from there. Because they allowed that influencer to come into their lives, to deceive them. And we have, we have them to thank for all this right now. But you know what? 
because of all that, we were able to experience the love of God like no other. We were able to experience the salvation through Jesus Christ because without that, we wouldn't be where we are right now. But there was that serpent looking to deceive right from the beginning. Job's wife in the book of Job, after Job was going through all these things and he was losing all these things and his, his children were dying and the houses were burning and the, his sheep and his flock were dying, his wife told him to curse God and die. She was trying to influence his walk with God. Now, despite everything that was going on, he was surely upset. He said, curse the day that I was born. But what he didn't do was fall victim to the influencer, his wife, to curse God and die. In fact, he, he praised God even more. And you, you know what the, the result of that was? He's actually got more than what he had from before because he didn't fall victim to the influencer in his life. Now we go into the New Testament and we hear about Saul of Tarsus, also later known as Paul the Apostle. Now, Saul of Tarsus was a man who was known by everybody in his community. He, he, he was known in the temples, but he went out and he persecuted Christians. He went out and he imprisoned Christians, and he went out and he killed the believers because they believed in the word of Jesus Christ. Now, I can imagine, again, there was no social media at the time. There was no in internet at the time, but word spread. And as soon as many heard that Saul of Tarsus was on the way to their town, as soon as many heard that Saul of Tarsus was on their way to their village, I can guarantee you that there were many, many Christians who dropped their crosses and ran. That was an influencer in the negative sorts. Now we fast forward to Paul, the apostle, great man of God, revelation from God himself. Now, you can imagine the turnaround. This, this right there is a testimony in itself for everybody who's sitting here, for everybody who's watching. If God did it for Saul, now, Paul, what can he do for you? When you thought your life was so bad that you, you say, there is no redemption for me, look at Paul's life. So Paul the apostle, now, instead of, People hearing that, that Saul of Tarsus is coming. Now people are hearing that Paul the Apostle is coming to our town. Paul the Apostle is coming to our village. Now there's an expectation. There's an expectation of what God is going to do in that place. There is an expectation that God is going to perform some miracles. There's an expectation that God is going to save someone. Not because of what Paul did, but what God was doing. Influencing through Paul. Influencers. So it's, it's very important where we stand in the word of God. It's very important to actually dig in to the word of God to see what God is warning you about and what God is expecting you to do. So seeing these examples, God gives us those warnings about against those who are currently, currently operating in the demonic. But he also speaks to us, the believers, and tells us that we what we, the believers, should be doing. Now, that being said, I don't want you to take my word for it. I don't. 
we are actually going to get into the Bible. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you're watching, get your Bibles out, get your pen and papers out. I want you to take notes because I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to go to the word and read it for yourself because I'm, a just, I'm just another guy. I'm just a, a man standing up here with a microphone. But you know what? We got to see what God has to say. And that's why you have to dig into the word. So we're going to go, we're, our, our text for today is going to be in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to read along and we're going to stop part of the way through and we're going to talk about it. Because God has something to say about those influencers in our lives. What we're allowing and what we should be doing. Now, if you're, if you're there with me, 1 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 1 for you right here. It says, the spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now, that we're in chapter 1 already, and it's, it's, it's verse 1, and it's just telling us all sorts of things already. We probably don't even have to go anywhere. But it says, some will abandon the faith. It's not talking about people who are out in the world. It's not talking about your average Joe just walking down the street. When you're abandoning the faith, it's already talking about us believers who are seeing what's going on and listening to those negative influencers. And, and because we're, we're giving them their, our ears and we're opening our hearts to those ones who are trying to deceive us, they're abandoning their faith. We're losing believers to the wrong message. Their job, these influencers, these deceiving spirits are to trick the believers. There are many people who say, well, I'm Christian, but I believe this and believe that, believe this and believe that. But it's in contrary, some of the things that they believe is in contrary to the word of God. That's why I say, get into the word. What does God have to say? These deceiving spirits are, are, are mouthpieces, they're voice pieces for the devil and for hell. They follow the things taught by demons. We're talking about these people here. God is not mincing words. He's, he's not trying to dance around it. He's not beating around the bush. He's telling you these are deceiving spirits. These, they're teaching things taught by demons. He's being up straight and, and, and up front with you. Matthew 7.15 says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are like ravening wolves. They come to you with a pretty face. They come to you with a pretty story. But inside, they're looking to take you down any chance you get. And if you leave that door open, woe to you. Demonic influencers... These are the ones, remember, that are seeking to deceive you. These are the ones who are seeking to destroy you. Their number one job is to separate you from the presence of God by any means necessary. They're going to use your jobs. They're going to use your family. They're going to use your finances. They're going to use anything around you to be able to take you down. They will use your past. You can be saved and walking in the, in, in the will of God right now. And they, were going to, they will tell you, you know what? This is what you used to be. So that is what you are. But God says otherwise. He says, those who I have cleaned, those who I have redeemed, they are new creatures in me. But only if you give them the power. Remember, that power and authority, don't give it to them. 
So we're going to go to verse number two. It says, such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. Hypocritical liars, they're wearing the mask of holiness, but are full of falsehood. Here we go again. Their outwardly appearance is, is not what they're actually experiencing on the inside. They come to you with those, those great things. They tell you what you want to hear with the intentions of deception. It, again, God's not, God's not, he's, he's not mincing up those words. He's not beating around the bush. He's being up front with it. They just play the part. These are the people who just play the part of holiness and godliness. Now, when a conscience is seared, like verse 2 says, it's been rendered insensitive. It's been burned. Their conscience has been burned. Their morality has been burned. There, there is no more feeling in this. There's a spiritual scar tissue in their spirit. They have no care. They have no love. They, they have no mercy. They don't care about the damage they cause to the people of God. They don't care about the damage they cause to the church of God. They don't care about the damage they're causing in their homes. They don't care about the damage they're causing in their communities. Because their hearts have been scarred and they've given into it. Verse 3, 4, and 5. They forbid people to marry in order to abstain from and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to, to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Now, in this letter that Paul wrote, Paul references here not just to the early church, but it goes again all the way back to Genesis chapters one and two. It was the religious people of that time who had placed the doctrines into law. They, they made things into law. For the sake of holiness, but it's not what God intended it to be. They'll tell you, you can't do this, but instead do that. Or they'll tell you to do that and then not this. False teachers and influencers, those are people who, who seek to distract you from what God really has for you. He's already ordained things in your life, but yet these people are placing man-made conditions on your relationship with God. God says, no, I've already placed your path before you. I already knew your name before you were born. I already had a predestined uh, path for your life. I already gave you purpose in this life. But man in his, in his wicked ways, man in his sinful ways, tends to place their two cents to change things in order to make them feel elevated or comfortable at where they're at. That's why I say, what does God have to say about this? What does the word have to say? Man can come to you and say, this is what we want you to do in order to be holy. You need to say this prayer ten times so that you can be sanctified. You need to give this much in order to be saved. But I tell you right now, there is no way to heaven. There is no way to the Father but through Jesus Christ himself. When you turn your heart to him, when you give your life and soul to him, 
then and only then can you be consecrated and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Then and only then can you sing hallelujah. Then and only then can you enter into the presence of the King Almighty. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Those are the people who will switch things to accommodate. They will switch things to, 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 in order to place their, their man-made laws in order but it would be in contrary to the word of God. This church is why we need to continue to seek the discernment through the Holy Spirit, to seek guidance from the Holy Spirit, not just, just in, 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 on Sundays, not just on Tuesdays, but constantly through prayer and the study of the Bible so that when the false doctrine is spoken, we can point it out and not allow it to manifest in our church or in our relationships with Christ. Discernment through the Holy Spirit. Write that down. Discernment through the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. It says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished on the truths of the faith and the good teachings that you have followed. He's talking directly to you. He's talking directly to me. He says, you point these things out. He's not saying God will point these things out or the whole, he says you need to point these, as believers you need to point these things out. Now this is when we start turning things around. We are not the ones to be influenced by the deceiving spirits. Instead you have to rebuke them spirits. You have to point them out, but instead armed with the knowledge of Christ, armed with the knowledge of the word, the truths of the faith and good teachings, we are entrusted to be the ministers of Christ. Being the ministers of Christ requires responsibility. We are the designated influencers in our church, in our homes, and in our communities. To be good ministers, yes, you are called to be a good minister. I know some people probably just looked around. They're like, no, not me, not right now. Yes, you are called to be a good minister. You have to be able to discern and point these things out. Armed with the gospel, the good news, then can we have serious conversations in this day and age. With everything that's going around in this nation and the world, people are still trying to figure out what's wrong with mankind. They're trying to, to, trying to make laws and, and, and change the way people think. By, by legislating laws, they're, they're trying to, to tell you, you need to do this or you need to do that. And, and when that doesn't happen, there's, there's no consequence to it. They're still trying to figure out what's wrong with mankind. But I can tell you right now, what's wrong with mankind isn't because what's going around in the world. It's what's going on in your hearts, what's going on in the spirits, what's going on in the spiritual realm. We need to be able to address that as a church. No laws created by any government can legislate the heart of man. No law created can legislate the heart of man. 
no law legislated can create what can can change what's in the spirits we have to address what's in the supernatural the only way we can speak of true change, the only way we can speak of true justice, true equality, the only way we can do any of this is when we speak the name of Jesus Christ. The only way we can see true change and true deliverance is when we allow the Holy Spirit to enter into the equation. I'm going to say that again. The only way we can see true change in the hearts of man, the only way we can talk about true equality in the hearts of man, the only way we can speak of true love and deliverance is when we allow Jesus to enter into the equation the church has to stand up and stand in the gap and be the mouthpiece over those deceiving spirits be the mouthpiece in our communities be in the mouthpiece in the in our homes in our schools in our jobs when Jesus enters the equation when Jesus enters the conversation then we'll be able to love each other as the Lord commands there's this one law one law, not written by man, one law that addresses the heart, the one law that addresses the spirit, and it's given by, by us by Jesus to truly live by the greatest commandment, to love, to love God, to love your neighbor as you do yourself, to love like no other. When you can experience that type of love, then can we love our brothers? Then can we love our sisters? Then can we be able to say that your social, social status doesn't matter because I love you. Your financial status doesn't matter because I love you. Your, your, the color of your skin doesn't matter because I love you with the love of Christ. You are my brother. You are my sister created in the image of God. You are the chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, because Jesus said it was so. Because Jesus died on that cross to bring us all together as one people, as one nation, redeemed by the blood. The blood that was spilt on the cross of Calvary. And this church is why we have the responsibility to speak up and speak the truth of God. To be those influencers. And it begins in our homes, and it begins in our communities, and it begins in our nation to speak on the love of God and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to go to verse 7. And it says, have nothing. The question is, 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 how do we go about this? Verse 7 says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Have nothing to do with godless myths, old wives' tales, but train yourself to be godly. Again, what are the people saying about God? What myths are they saying? What su superstitions do they have about God? God isn't something about superstition. He is supernatural. And what does God have to say about God? Always go to the word. It says, train yourself to be godly and holy. 
which requires constant work. Some of us will hit the gym and we'll go for a few days and our muscles will get sore and then we get tired and we're not going back to the gym. But in order to be godly and holy, there's going to be some times where things are going to hurt. Even when you're first starting off in your, work with, your walk with Christ and, and, and things are being separated from you, those, those, those sinful, that sinful nature, those addictions that you have, those friends that you have, sometimes you have to separate yourself from those. And it's going to hurt just like when you start going to the gym, just like when you start training. But you know what? In the end, you're going to come out bigger. You're going to come out better. You're going to come out stronger because you trained yourself in the way of the Lord. Now, even though he's separating those things from each and every one of us to, in order to be more godly, in order to be more holy. And we need to separate ourselves from that sin. Never should we be comfortable with sin. But instead, love the sinner. There's many of us who have had many friends and relationships that we've had to step away from because of the lifestyle. But we can still love them with the love of Jesus. Love the sinner, don't reject them. Reject the sin instead. Even Jesus sat down with the sinners, but he didn't do what they did. He showed them a love like no other. And why do we do this? In the same way that we enter a room, people need to see that there's something different about you. And because of the God you serve. So just as when Jesus sat down with the tax collectors, just when Jesus sat down with the sinners, people knew that there was something different in the room. People knew that there was somebody going to change. There was going to be salvation or some miracle happening when Jesus sat in the room. The same way as we are the influencers, the representatives of God, the representatives of Jesus. When you walk into that room, people need to know that there's something different about you. That Justin, when, when you walked into the room now, there is something different about you. When you walk into the room now, that words of life are going to be imparted. That words of, of hope are going to be given. That, that, that things are going to change. And because of you, because of you, God can operate and save someone else. When you enter into a room. Verses 8, 9, and 10. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both present life and the life to come. This is trust, a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in a living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. It's okay to take care of this body if you want to go to LA Fitness, Planet Fitness, Fitness Fitness. Doesn't matter where you want to go. If you want to take care of your body, he says it's okay. But don't put this vessel here above those things that are of God. Don't put this and everything else that's around you above what of godliness and holiness. Don't let this keep you from the presence of God because it only holds its value here on earth. This too will pass. But because God, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter if you look good. It doesn't matter if you've been on a vacation at some exotic island. It doesn't matter if you have the most expensive car. God is looking for a godly people, a people who, who walks in his will, a people who walk in righteousness, a people who can lift his name up like no other name. Can we say amen to that? Can we say hallelujah to that church? And as his children, we know 
what truly matters. We know that our God is a living God, that the God is where we place our hope, that our God is the savior of all people. So while many may not have access to those vacations or those material things or the physique of a bodybuilder, we know that we all have access to a living God. We all have access to salvation through Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice that was made on the cross for all people. And then he goes on to say in verse 11, command and teach these things. Verse 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of the scripture, to the preaching, and to the teaching. Verse 14, do not neglect your gift, which was given through you to, through prophecy when the body of elders laid hands on you. What are we doing with this knowledge? What are we doing with this word? The word of the living God. The text here is telling us that we are the influencers. Back, back to that verse again. Command and teach these things. He's telling us what to do. He's telling us how we should approach it. In other words, it's not meant to be kept for yourself. This word's not meant to be kept here in this room. If we wanted to keep this word in here in this room, we turn those cameras off right now. In fact, if we, if we didn't want to get, give this word outside this room, we, we'd shut down the social media. But you know what? You right there that are watching this word, you right there that are watching this word, this word is for you too. And this word, as soon as you receive it, don't keep it for yourself. Let it flow out of you. Let yourself be guided by the Holy Spirit. Spread this word, the word of God, because you too were called to be a minister. And it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Where's the young people at right now? Where are the youth of this church? Not the future of this church, but the present of this church. He's calling you out as well. He's telling you, you need to operate in faith, operate in purity, operate in love, because you too were called. Carry yourself accordingly. You too were called to be an influencer in this house. You were too, for those young people who, who are believers, and maybe their families aren't believers, your family, your mother, your, your father, your sister, your brother, whoever it may be, they too can be saved because of what you do. They too can be saved because of your walk with Christ. So it's so important on what you're doing right here, right now, as just as you watch this right now. You are so important. Carry yourself accordingly. It's so hard to do it, but with God, nothing is impossible. Verses 15 and 16. It says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. I'm going to stop right there with verse 15. It says, give yourself wholly to them. So we're not looking for people who are half in or half out. We're looking for people who are all the way in. We're looking for people who are all the way in. So that those who see you can see progress. 
progress is a constant motion. It doesn't stop. Once things stop, there is no more progress. So you have to keep moving. You have to keep elevating. You have to keep seeking the, the, the things of God so he can raise you up to new levels. So he can raise you up to new heights in, in Jesus Christ. So it's a constant change. It's a constant desire to seek the things of God, a constant desire to seek the Holy Spirit, a constant, constant desire to immerse yourself in the word. That's the only way that progress is going to happen. Verse 16, it says, watch your life and doctrine closely. We have to guard ourselves. We have to guard our hearts. And this is where we stop those demonic influencers when we see it and we seek that discernment and we have that discernment we know that we can stop them and guard our lives but instead when we guard our lives and we protect it we we walk in the purity and the love and the faith that god commands then we can turn around and change things we can flip the script and 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 demonstrate the power and that authority that given to us by jesus christ himself from that sacrifice on the cross and it says, persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The message that you are giving it does, it's not just for someone else, but it's for yourself as well. Because when you say, I am a child of the King, I am a child of God redeemed by the blood of Jesus from that cross, then I know where my hope is. I know where my salvation is. And it's in Jesus Christ, the Almighty God, the Son of the living God. And I know that in me is the Holy Spirit, the mighty advocate here on earth to guide me, to, to console me, to comfort me, to be my lead. And then those around you, those people that you are impacting in your everyday life, they too can be saved because you have opened yourself up to be a vessel for God. You have opened yourself up to be the, the, the person that he declared that you would be. Even though you, were, you thought you were a, a broken clay jar, he had picked up the pieces and he put it back together better than if it was brand new. He made you a new vessel, a new creature in Jesus Christ. So church, what are we doing to be diligent in these matters? What efforts are we putting forward? I know Pastor already spoke earlier uh, on, on what we're doing with the tithes and the offerings. It's because we want to push the vision forward. What efforts are we doing? We want to make this experience not just an experience, but an encounter with the living God. Just because we bought a new microphone, just because we bought a new speaker, or we're doing all this work in this building, it's not for you just to have an experience just like uh, any other experience, but for you to have an encounter with the living God himself. Who are we influencing for Christ? What are we doing to be the difference in this world? As an influencer, what are you promoting? Because of the Christ in you, others can be saved. Amen? So in just in, instead of being an influencer, how about we be an influencer for Christ? Amen to that? Can we be an influencer for Christ?
We need to be able to see what we're doing. We need to be able to dig into the word, to be able to see what God has for us, but what God expects of us as well. So at this time, this, this was a message for the church. I know this is supposed to be like an evangelistic you know, uh, sermon and reaching out to, to those who, but you know what? There's trouble sometimes in the church also. There's, especially right now when people are isolated, people don't know where to turn. We need to stand together. We need to stand on the word of God. We need to have that foundation as a church to be able to say, God, I need you more now than ever. I need you to be in my life. I need you to lift me up, Lord God. When my hope is waning, when my faith is fading, Lord God, I'm going to lift my eyes to you. I'm going to lift my eyes to the heaven. I'm going to lift. I want to be like you declared I should be, Lord God. I want to live like you wanted me to live, Lord God. And I know I've been having trouble. But Lord God, this is where I turn my life around and give it back to you. If you're a believer that's watching me, or if you're a believer that's, that's, that's here in this place, and you've been having trouble with this, and you've let those negative influencers and those deceiving spirits in your life, and you've been giving them your ear, and now you're confused. I can tell you right now, there's no reason to be confused anymore because Jesus is the way. Be Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. And if you're watching right now, and you've never experienced that love, now is your chance. If you've been surrounded by the negativity, if you've been surrounded by the negative influencers and people who have been leading you astray, those wolves in sheep clothing, now is your chance to open your heart to Jesus. And if you would, right where you're at, if you're at home or at work or in your car, if you're in your car, pull over. I want you to say this prayer with me. I want you to lift your hands and say this prayer with me. And it's only going to take a moment, but it's a moment that will entirely change your life. It's a moment that will turn things around for you. It's a moment that will give you purpose in Jesus. It's a moment that will elevate you in the spirit. It will, it's a moment that will elevate your spirit when we turn things over to Jesus. So pray with me right now. Father God, I come before you, a sinner. I know I've done many things that were wrong, Lord God. I've done things that were contrary to the word and to what you've declared over my life. But right now, Jesus, I open my heart. I open my spirit to you. I recognize the sacrifice, Jesus, that you made on the cross for my life, for my salvation. And right now, Jesus, I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Right now, Jesus, I accept you into my life. Holy Spirit, come down into my life. Be my guide. Be my, my connection to the Father. I can no longer live like I used to live. And now I turn it over to you. And from this day forward, Jesus, I am yours. And you are mine. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you, if you made that prayer, if you said that prayer, I, I, I congratulate you. I welcome you into this family. 
a family of believers, a family of love in Jesus, a family who, who wants to pray for you, a, a family who wants to cover you day after day in prayer, a family who wants to connect with you. If, you, if you've said that prayer right, right now, go ahead and share it with us. Share a testimony with us, whether it's on the, uh, Facebook or on Instagram, but we want you to connect with us here at the Outside Church. And I encourage you, if you're here in the Treasure Coast, we're gonna be opening soon in July. We're gonna be opening soon with, with, with our Port St. Lucie campus. We want you to visit us. If, they're, if they're, you're outside of the Treasure Coast, find the church, find the church that you can connect with that preaches the gospel the way that God intended without, without man-made conditions because there are no other conditions, there are no other ways but through Jesus for salvation and for the love and happiness that God desires for you. So I congratulate you. We love you. Uh, I receive this word. Go back and read it. Go back and study it because God has so much more to tell you in this word. Amen.